Welcome to another episode of Lean Into Trauma, where we can talk freely about the uncomfortable details that make us who we are today, because all of you is welcome here. My name is Shamber, and I'm really, really excited about today's guest. Her name is Lainey Ishvia. When we met, I just knew I had to have Lainey on the podcast because she's just such a strong woman. She makes such an impact on so many others. Lainey helps perfectly imperfect women with invisible physical disabilities and challenges to look and feel their best, all while looking stylish and keeping up with the latest trends. You might have seen her on a TED Talk as she continues to rise to fame with her powerful story. Or maybe you've seen someone sporting her super cool clothing raising awareness for CMT. Regardless, if you know her or not, you're going to story is Without further ado, give it up for Lainey. Hello, how are you? Hi, Shamber. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What a cool introduction. <laughs> it's super cool introductions for a super cool person. Well, thank you. I love how we met too, which is, you know, I don't know if I can start out by sharing that, but go I, for you know, it. We yes. Met <laughs> at, um, fall. I was actually just on a girl's trip uh, to a cool little town, which you happen to be lucky enough to live in, a little lake town that's cool, an artist town with shopping, and a bunch of girlfriends and I went for the weekend, and we were in one of these boutique stores, and I must have been talking somehow about my hands and how I can't do, um, you know, small zippers or buttons or something, and then one of my friends might have mentioned what I do. I don't even know how it happened, but then you're like, yeah. Oh, tell me more. And you, and you were there working. And then here I am now. I was so drawn. I remember you were trying on, um, those, that shoe brand. We have like, orthopedic oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. And you're like, these brand. are actually comfortable and have enough room for my brace. And then you're like, look at my brace. And then this is my story. And I just thought, wow, I love how, you're just open about it, but also it's so empowering for other women because sometimes we keep that a secret. Absolutely. I love it. And that did not always it. happen. <laughs> right. That's yeah. You know what? Let's just jump into your story because sure. everyone's going to love it. Yes. Um, tell everyone, like, let's go from the beginning. Like, tell us oh. your story. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a long story, but I will definitely try Paint to us a summarize. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my name is Lainey, um, and um, I was born with a rare inherited neuromuscular condition, um, disease, and it's uh, called, it has a really weird name, um, it's called Charcot-Marie-Tooth, or CMT disease, and, you know, it has absolutely nothing to do with teeth, that's like the first thing people <laughs> think of, it has nothing to do with teeth, it's actually three doctors' names, Charcot-Marie-Tooth, oh, founded gotcha, gotcha. it, blah, 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 <laughs> and it gave this disease, like, the worst name possible, um, but anyways, I have it, my mom, who passed away um, six years ago, she had it. My sister has it and my, one of my children have it. Um, so it's inherited um, and it's like a 50% chance, the, the type I have of, you know, your offspring having it. Um, but CMT affects everybody, like many different conditions. It affects um, 
people totally differently. So when I was young, I had no clue I had it. Um, and, you know, I was just a regular, <laughs> you know, kid out on the playground, but we started to yeah, notice. Yeah, active. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I like, I, I was, I was, I guess signs of having this um, disease showed up early in that, like, I was not coordinated. Um, I was not like right from I, the get go. Right or from what the get go. I mean, okay. I I didn't. I skipped um, walking as a baby. Apparently, I like well, well. I shouldn't say I skipped walking. I skipped crawling and went right to walking. So I didn't have problems walking. Um, but you know, at recess, I was you know clumsy, or you know, I was I wasn't able to do back then. They don't do this now. I'm I'm 53, but back then they used to have um, like they still have field days right in school but oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember back those. <laughs> then it was super competitive field days so you you know you did the long jump and you were like you you were doing it again you know in they were um evaluating you um as you know with like how your peers are doing so i was the worst i failed miserably i couldn't do a lot of things but had my mom not had this disease you know, I would have had no clue that I had this and probably just would have, you know, lived my life thinking I was clumsy. So CMT is often misdiagnosed, right? It can show up as just that. And people could live their whole lives with just being kind of not able to do certain things as well as yeah, being told they're clumsy. Yeah, it affects um, the type I have is the most common and it affects your peripheral nerves, which is your hands and your feet. And as I said, it's slowly progressive. So as a kid, I had no problems with my hands. Um, like I wrote I letters. I mean, back then we didn't have computers. <laughs> so like I wrote things down, you know, I wrote my yeah. name, I did all that stuff. I, you know, and, um, you know, I didn't wear braces or anything at that point. I was just a kid who was, you know, not that great at things. I was picked last probably for most sports. So were you trying to just like wing it or did you, were you aware that, oh, I have what my mom had? So when I was old enough to understand what I had, then I kind of knew what I had, but I did not tell anyone. And by anyone, I meant like, it wasn't something that I told, you know, my teachers didn't know. Um, most friends didn't know. I didn't talk about it. My mom really didn't talk about it either. Um, she, it, for her, it wasn't so much about shame or anything. It was more just, she didn't talk about it because she couldn't change it. So her, you know, philosophy in life was like, she just dealt with it and did everything she wanted to do and worked around it. Um, so although that was great for her and worked for her, it wasn't so great for, you know, um, like your child or a child because yeah, I like how do you even hide that like from your friends and... yeah I mean because I just I mean there was nothing like I said I wasn't wearing leg braces at the time I was just a kid and I just you know tried to blend in I just did all the things I could I got um actually I shouldn't say I did all the things I could I got out of a lot of things so you know my mm, mom okay. I'd say my mom to my mom is all, like when I could um, when I could verbalize what I wanted, you know, I'd say, I don't want to take gym, like get me out of gym. So she would get a doctor's note and get me out of gym, um, class. And so I'd avoid things where I knew that I wouldn't be successful and that my disability would be noticeable. Um, and, you know, fast forward, which we'll talk about later, like that I've done a lot of 
uh, my own podcast and work with kids and parents, parents, and, you know, my mom tried her best. I'm not into like ever <laughs> disparaging parents. Once you're grown up, you know, you have choices. Everyone does. She did the best she could, but right, right. avoiding gym class kind of just sent the message to me inadvertently that, you know, it is a shameful thing to have a disability. Right. You can't be with the rest of your classmates. Right, yeah. That you should hide it, that you can hide, like, that it's like the getting out of things and not challenging yourself is okay because being, you know, exposed was riskier. Um, so then, you know, kind of fast forward, um, I, as an adolescent, it wasn't that my body or anything changed much. I just still, like I said, was not able to do, you know, a lot of things like in high school or junior high, a lot of my friends at the time were cheerleading and I couldn't jump well. Um, and I, going into high school, um, so, you know, I don't remember, okay, eighth grade, <laughs> the summer, okay. of my, the summer I finished eighth grade, um, my mom took me to a, like a, a doctor, a neurologist. And, um, that's when I was officially kind of diagnosed with having this, um, there, let me just back up and say that there is no cure and there is no treatment. So, it wasn't that she was neglectful and not having me officially diagnosed earlier. It's literally like she knew there's no point, like there was nothing you can do. You have it and you live. It's not a life threatening disease. Like you don't, most people don't die from shark and tooth. Right. Um, and it can be that you can live your whole life and, you know, not need leg braces and, you know, just be a little clumsy or you can be, severely debilitated and, and, you know, use walkers, wheelchairs, and um, it can affect other parts of your body because you're not using them. So anyways, as is it something that induces pain, Lainey, or no, is it just like, yeah, the lack of the, so, do- okay, yeah, so, so for pain. a lot of people that have shark and Marie tooth, um, you know, it's like, uh, if, so start shark and Marie tooth is kind of like MS, but okay. it doesn't affect your brain. So, you know, MS is all, you know, it, it affects your central, your whole body, right? Um, yep. So strong CMT, brain, but yeah. hurting body. Yeah. So CMT is really mostly affects your, um, your peripheral nerves, your hands and your feet. Um, so the reason, so the pain for some people is neuropathy, like, and I too have had, you know, some, it's not like pain, like, um, for me, not chronic pain, like throbbing or, um, or, you know, it's more, um, neuropathy pain is like your feet are cold all the time or your hands are cold all the time or, so I'm um, familiar with neuropathy. I actually used to be a neuropathy case manager. So oh my gosh, I'm... what are the odds of that? Oh my god, <laughs> really? This was like four or five years ago. Yes. So yeah. I'm familiar with, yeah. with all of that. Yeah. Okay. So then you know, like, so, um, you know, so like diabetics. A lot of diabetics have diabetic, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, neuropathy. So for some people with CMT, they have very severe chronic pain. I. I'm fortunate, knock on wood, that like I do have some nights where I'm like, oh, like I can feel my hands or I can feel my feet and it's like weird feeling and it it feels uncomfortable and I'm like, it's keeping me up. And and then I don't know, I distract myself or something and, you know, I push through it. But some people have such severe pain that they can't do that. Um, Okay, so um, 
back to adolescence. So, you know, like I told you, <laughs> I was kind of hiding who I was. I was avoiding yeah. gym class. And, uh, you know, when you're a teenager, it's all about, you know, fitting in. Um, right. And oh, yeah. this is before the internet. This is before, um, this is like the days I grew up in the 80s, right? It was like Kate Moss, who's, um, uh, do you know who Kate Moss is? <laughs> she was a I model. Do. I do. I mean, okay, so like she's super, super, super thin. And that's what, you know, like people's ideal body was. It was models. It was not, there wasn't, you know, I wasn't exposed ever. And I don't think my friends were to, you know, what exists now, which is like a lot of body acceptance and they, you know, the word body shaming. Yeah. Like, just encouraging right. other body people. Yeah. didn't exist. Like you wanted an ideal body. I mean, most girls wanted just, you know, like the bodies I, I said it in my Ted talk, like a 17 magazine was the, was the, you know, was the magazine, you know, you'd look through there and yeah. you wanted to look like those people. And, um, message you got everywhere was beauty is, you know, having this perfect body that can, you know, like in Baywatch, she, Pamela Anderson could run on the sand and she could wear yeah. high heels. And so like, that's what I thought was beautiful. So combine that with like super insecurity and, you know, like um, low self-esteem, comparing myself to others. And, you know, like a lot of teenagers, that's not uh, that's pretty common, right? Like they're just trying to figure out who they are, what they want. And right. You're already struggling with like lots, the average right. teenage insecurity. Exactly. So add to that, that I had this like hidden disability that people didn't know I had, that I was embarrassed about. And that truly made my body imperfect in my eyes back then. You know, so it was like, oh, like I will never be that 17 magazine girl because I have this and boys aren't going to like me because I had this. And, um, you know, fast forward, it led to some like more severe problems as a teenager, depression, a suicide attempt, yeah, I'm sure. like I'm lots sure. of stuff. Um, and back then, I, I guess my mom and, you know, people wouldn't have said, oh, it's because she's ashamed of her disability. You know, like that never was put together. But in retrospect now, as a person who does a lot of disability advocacy, like I know that that was a definite component of, um, of you know, what, you know, what was, what was challenging me growing up is that I had this secret that I was embarrassed about and that, you know, society really didn't accept people who were different and disabilities were not a cool thing. They were like, there was something wrong with you. You didn't fit in. Right. You get ostracized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the fear, right? Because like knowing it's a progressive disease and seeing my mom and how at the time, you know, she struggled to um, climb stairs. She had a hard time getting out of a chair, like getting up from a chair. Um, her hands were um, very um, like deformed in that they were like shaped like claw like type. Um, hands. She had a lot of struggles. And I'm like, is that my future? Right. So it was easy or back then to just pretend <laughs> that I didn't have anything. Right, yeah. And because it's too hard to yes. deal with this. And I, we all would. And we I didn't know would. anybody else besides yeah. my mom. And you know, there's no community groups right. back then on Facebook. Right. Right. No. And my mom actually like started a support group um, in Detroit where I grew up. 
Um, and I went with her to the support group as a teenager. And the people, you know, not surprisingly, who show up to support groups, um, and like, I don't mean to be stereotyping, but a lot of times it's people who aren't like have a lot of time on their hands, right? Like they're not people right, who are right. working a bit like, so the people in the room were older, much older than me. Um, they didn't look like me. I didn't want to identify myself as being like these people because I was this cool or then, you know, shit teen. I'm sorry. My swearing, but I was, You're good. Cool, You're good. <laughs> I was this cool teenage or wannabe cool poser teenager. And I didn't want to associate myself with these people who I considered to be like, you know, like, I, I don't know, pathetic, not good. Like some, I considered them to be broken. So I was not going to associate myself with them. Um, and that's yeah. kind of where and it I, was. I can't even imagine like if you're, you're the only person there your age, right? Everyone else is older than you. Yeah. 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 That's. Oh, I had like a total. I mean, I mean, my mom, unfortunately, isn't alive to to like because only it was only me and my mom at the time. My sister was I don't know where she was, but she didn't she wasn't dragged to the support group meeting. I was like mean. I was like a teenager who was like I had my nose up in the air. Like, who are you? Like, I did not associate myself because I didn't see anyone who looked like me. You know, they weren't my peers. They weren't people who I um looked up to or who people who I thought, oh, you know, like, you know, now today I see so many people with disabilities and invisible disabilities as well as, um, you know, visual, you know, obvious physical disabilities. And I'm like, oh my God, those people, like they are, they're people, like there's some that I totally click with or some that don't. In that room at the time, it was exactly what I stereotyped people with disabilities as looking like they were all complaining about how hard it was and like who wants to hear that as a you know as a right as a teenager you have your whole life ahead of you right exactly exactly so I kind of like you know pushed it away um I don't know do you know that did you ever see Book of Mormon or you know the play oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. like um there was a song there's one I forgot what the song is but my husband and I used to joke because I was like that was like um the song that's like a in that Book of Mormon where it's like, push it away. Like, don't think about it. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. put it under the rug, you know? And that's kind of what I did. But as we know, when you try, when you don't deal with something and you don't, you know, talk about it and you don't, you know, um, you don't, you just try to push it away. It comes back. Yeah, it's and it comes though. back in other ways. Whether, oh, yes. you know, yep. So my stuff came back in a, you know, in many different ways that were rebellious and, you know, um, and not great. <laughs> and I, you know, I was not like, I, I, you know, I, I gave my parents a real challenge. If I had kids like I was, I don't think know how I would ever deal. So um, then <laughs> I, I went to boarding school and- um, So you were sent away. Well, I kind of like back then when you attempted suicide, it's different. Like insurance okay. covered like stays at places it was not like today where like if, okay. if a kid attempts suicide and it's a cry for help and they didn't really want to die which was my case it was like just uh i i don't know what to do Someone and this is me. right yeah. um today they would get you some mental maybe they'd have you stay somewhere and be checked for a couple days but then you're like out and seeing a counselor back then it was like a you know someone was by your bedside and they're like okay 
you're going to go inpatient to a hospital. And I was there, like I was in an inpatient facility um, for six weeks and then outpatient for two months. And I really wasn't like, I, I didn't, I didn't, not only was I not given the option to go back to school, like I didn't want to, right? Because now I'll- Wait, so what grade was this? This is in uh, 10th grade. Oh, wow. So, okay. Mm -hmm. In 10th grade. So um, I did not go back to school and I went to this boarding school where I kind of like got to create a new identity. Um, And, you know, again, my disabilities weren't, um, they came into play in this boarding school because the boarding school at the time was, it's, well, it still exists. It's called Lilana. And it was like a small school with only 80 students, co-ed. And, but because it was so small, like you were on a varsity sport, like you had to be like in a varsity sport, you know, cause yeah, you couldn't hide right. so much. <laughs> so like I, so obvious. So here's where, again, I learned that gym pass, right? Like where my mom got me out of things. I got out of that because I'm like, oh, okay. So it was, I used my disabilities secretly, not telling peers, but, you know, having my mom have someone say something to get me out of doing actual sports. And I was like the, the boys basketball statistician. That was like my job, you know, Oh my uh, gosh, that's funny. I don't know. But anyways, fast forward, I'm like, like, I'm still working through stuff, still trying to figure out who I am, still hiding my disabilities. Um, and they still kind of stayed about the same until I hit my um, early 20s. I had um, gone into, I had graduated from college. Um, I actually got a master's degree in social work at the time. And I, like many therapists, you know, became a therapist because I was working through my own stuff still. So right. my focus yeah. was on teenagers and I mean, shocking, right? So I focused on girls, self-esteem and, um, you know, girl, girl issues at the time. So now, all still like, there was no your... gender, you know, yeah. like stuff back then. Like it was girls. And you're all, you're still hiding your disability at yes, this point, yes, right? Yes, yes. Oh gosh, Absolutely. yep. <laughs> right, no, 100%. But like I became this girl therapist and this, I did a lot of speaking at the time, like for parents on like self-esteem and depression and all this stuff. All the stuff I was still working through myself, but that's not uncommon like, for, for- Right, that's part. not really handling the right, situation. exactly. So it's kind of like you're working through your stuff by like helping others. So- Um, the disability part didn't come to play until I got my first job in Chicago and, um, I was, you know, I had like, I, I'd not lived in a city where you walked a lot, you know, before I, you know, like I live in Michigan, we drive up, we park, we go in like, so at least my part of Michigan. And so here I am living in a city and I start. it became very obvious that something was not right because I kept tripping all the time. And, you know, in my past, I had, I told you I was clumsy, but I wasn't like falling, you know, here I started to fall a lot. And I, you know, I later learned that's part of Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. One of the telltale signs is having what's called foot drop. And, um, you know, I don't even know how to explain foot drop, but basically 
what it feels like is that your foot is like 5,000 pounds and you're carrying this foot and dragging it and that can trip you up. So, you know, your, your, your foot feels like you're dragging, it trips you up and, you know, I would fall on the sidewalks and oh my word. yeah. So I, I just was started trying to rock some heels too, right? Well, I couldn't, I, so I never wore heels, but I wore any oh, kind of okay. shoes that I wanted to. I never wore heels, but like maybe little kitten heels because I wasn't right. super coordinated. Right. So I didn't wear like, um, I wore cute shoes, but okay. I was always yep. into style, but I didn't wear like, you know, um, your, your major heels ever. Um, but I, so even just in like a sneaker, right. I was falling. And so, um, I had made the hard decision after talking to, um, at the time it was the muscular dystrophy association. So, uh, gosh, not to be confusing. And this is like ridiculously whatever, but Shark and Marie Curie falls underneath the muscular dystrophy umbrella. Okay. Although it's not yeah. a muscle disease, it's a nerve disease, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, Muscular Dystrophy Association gave free leg braces to people who needed them. I was a young person with my first job. I went there. They gave me a pair of braces. I was like, hell no, I'm not wearing those. And they sat on a shelf for a year. Um, and fast forward, I then realized I really needed leg braces. Um, and I was handed them and I cried and it was devastating and it was horrible. And the person who handed them to me, an orthotist that, you know, it's called, um, I was like, well, what kind of shoes can I wear? And they're like, you can wear white sneakers or not white. They didn't say white. You can wear sneakers that tie up like a new balance shoe. Now, right, which not those are trendy so, now. They're super trendy now, right? Like yeah, grandpa sneakers. But back then, oh my god, that was like you're an old lady <laughs> if you're wearing these New Balance big, big sneakers. And so I was bawling my eyes out, and like my like it it affected everything because I'm like I'm not going to be able to be me. Like how will I go to party? Like how will I go to a wedding? What am I going to wear? You know? And the the orthotist looked at me like what's wrong with you? You're going to walk better. Like it, it's, he just wasn't equipped to understand that this, you know, right. what no where can affect every part of your being. So I, you know, knew I needed these leg braces, but I didn't want to, you know, be like wearing these grandma shoes. And um, that's kind of where my story and what I work and my work I do now kind of like took off from there. So <laughs> that was like the, the, I don't know, long version of that was my life. And no, I, I love it. Yeah. So I it started means- a website after that, um, years yeah. later, not right away, but I realized I'm a person who, you know, I'm not a rule follower. So I did not listen. I love it. I did love not it. listen to this dude who told me I had to wear the white New Balance sneakers. I, I don't know why I keep saying white because he didn't specify a color. But <laughs> I, mean, That's I was all like, I see okay, mind, I'm not wearing these, but I definitely, you know, can't wear anything like a lot because these braces right. are bulky. They take up space. They make my foot really, really wide. Um, and I, you know just, I don't know. I went to like, uh, at the time it was like Lane Bryant or Torrid. It was called, you know, I think Torrid. Yep. they're both still around, but they're plus, yep. yeah. you know, plus size stores. And I was like, wait, I wonder if, you know, these shoes, these flats that are trendy from Torrid because they're wide and they're cheap. I wonder if they'll fit. And sure enough, 
like the pair I looked at were wide enough. They had a wide enough opening. They had a zipper that allowed it to go on. And I was like, wait, can I walk? And then I was like, oh, I can walk just fine. And I'm like, ta-da, like, okay, these orthotists and the brace companies, they're telling you what's best, but you know what's best. If you can walk (laughs) and it fits, I'm like, wear it. So I've always been like someone who's been pretty resourceful. And so from there, you know, years later, six years ago, I started a website um, called Trendable and Trendable or Trend-Able.com where I, you know, basically (laughs) decided to help others um, find shoes that fit leg braces because I became sort of an expert in knowing, you know, what shoes are wide enough, which shoes have the right opening, which shoes have the right um, heel type heel. Um, And then it expanded into clothing because years later, my hands started to um, deteriorate my fine motor. I can't do buttons, uh, especially like little ones at all, but not easily. Um, it's hard to do zippers. It's hard to do anything that requires a pincher grip. And so I, that evolved into clothing because I would hack my clothing, like my, not my clothing because my mother was really bad. So I would hack my mom's clothes. Um, I could still pull up my pants. Right. So my mom could not. So we'd sew loops, you know, we'd have someone sew loops inside her pants so that she could use her whole hand to kind of put inside them to pull up the pants. Um, and, you know, from there, you know, Trendable evolved into a lot of different things. Like basically it's all about helping others with disabilities and visible mostly, you know, kind of look and feel their best and their lives, um, you know, with workarounds so that they can do everything they want to do, whether it's, you know, going to a concert, which is really hard when you have a disability to balance, like little hacks that allow you to do those easier. Um, and I love yeah. this. I mean, okay, so do you feel like through the years, especially I guess with how society has changed, I feel like people are more empathetic, they're more willing to listen or, or bring solutions rather than just like black and white. Do you feel like it's gotten easier for you to provide resources and hacks for people? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, in just the six years, like since I've started this, okay. When I started, have you heard the term adaptive fashion? Yes. Okay. So like maybe some of your listeners haven't, but the, you know, adaptive fashion is just white. It is what just what it sounds like, you know, it's um, adapting like to um, fit the needs of people who may not be able to wear what exists. Right. So right. Yep. Um, at the time I started this website, there was like maybe one or two adaptive fashion brands. Um, it wasn't a thing like it is now. Now, that's crazy. Only now, one or two. Like, now, I mean, you know, airy has um like a oh it's everywhere adaptive even their models Victoria's have Secret, some disabilities also you see women you know with disabilities models with disabilities um tommy hilfiger's who kind of started it all off um really okay they have magnets and whatnot but zappos has a whole section um you know selma blair now has a whole line of clothing with um isaac mizrahi or whatever um and they're and they're trendy they're cute like 
there's satin blouses that have hidden, they look like button downs, but they're hidden. Right. It's not all ugly and tacky, right? Right. It's, it's almost like, yeah. I mean, so back when I started the few companies that were, you know, creating, um, you know, brand, like were, were designing for people with disabilities. Um, there were so few now it's like, they, there's a realization that one out of four, like, Americans, American adults has some kind of disability. I mean, one out of four. So that's wow, enormous that's buying power. And oh, yeah. They've seen that, like, your person with disability is not the stereotype of what people think is like a homeless person on the street, right? A person with disability is your neighbor, it's your coworker, it's right, your everywhere. everywhere. And disabilities come in all shapes and sizes. There's people who have chronic migraines, there's people who have, um, there's people who have, you know, um, seizure disorders. There's people like I, ADD, depression. These are all disabilities, and um, oh so the world is becoming much more aware, which is super cool. And not that it's about the money, but I can imagine, like, once you start broadening, like your avatar, it's like, oh, there's a lot more people than we imagine. Like, they're making, they've got to be making more money, even like when they think of beyond just the average person. I'm like, no, this is the average person. Right, <laughs> like- right. But the problem is, is that there's still a stigma of having a disability. And, you know, you alluded to the fact, well, I, I did a TED Talk, um, which hopefully I'm sure you'll include it in the show notes, but my TED Talk yes, was all, of, it was called Gambling um, with an Invisible Disability. And it kind of, like, the reason it was gambling, you have to hear it, but I had a really awful false active shooter situation happened when I was in Vegas um, uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, it kind of like helped to use the gambling metaphor throughout. Um, A lot of people who are employees in companies, they are still hiding their disabilities because of the stigma associated with it, because they believe with good reason <laughs> that people will look at them differently, treat them differently. They might not get that promotion um, and they're hiding and they don't feel safe to tell their employers or their, you know, or, or a lot of other people that they live with these yeah. disabilities. And that's what we're trying to change, you know? And so- that's, I mean, like what we touched on earlier is like, that might work temporarily, but the longer you keep that hidden, it's going to fester, right? It's going to eventually bubble over yeah and it's gonna not even just in the fact of like oh hey this is what I have but like it's gonna affect your security it's gonna affect your relationships like it affects trauma ultimately right is it affects us when we don't handle it and when we're not honest with ourselves 100 percent, and that's the kind of the whole point it's like I learned through my own life that um vulnerability and being real is literally the best thing that I could have done for my life. And I wish I had known that sooner, but being real and open, like that is how number one, we eliminate the stigma having to do with disabilities, but also how you connect with other people. When we stop pretending that we're perfect and that we don't have whatever, when everyone has something, like everyone has stuff. And when you share your stuff, like I did, um, you know, after so many years, like people come to the woodwork and they're like, oh, I have this or I have this. And, and it builds deeper connections. And most importantly, like 
you have resources. So if you're that employee who's hiding at work and you need something as simple as, you know, maybe um, like maybe the meetings, um, the like the 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 other staff are doing happy hours in a place that has stairs and no elevator, let's say, you know, you're missing like there by not saying who you are, what you need. Um, you're the one who's losing and they're losing too, because they don't know that that's why you're not going to happy hour. Right. Right. Um, and isn't it funny? I feel like we believe a lot of, a lot of this, we believe the lie that, Hmm, if I keep the dark parts in me hidden, then people will like me better. But the truth of the matter is I find like when we're honest about who we are, people can trust you more. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that crazy? The psychology of that? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. They're uh, like, Oh, well, she took that risk. That means like it might be, she might be a safe person for exactly. me to share my stuff with. And um, and I think that's exactly what you've done, even with your, your whole job now is creating a safe place for people to be who they were created to be. And I love that. That's, ugh, I love, love, love it. Thank you. Um, I do, I want to know, because I want to encourage the listeners, and there's just got to be people who are listening right now and feel like and identify you, identify with you, Lainey. Um, what would you say are, like, a few influential people in your life that have really shaped, like, who you are and just being comfortable in what you have? Like, whether that could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a speaker. Mm-hmm. Give us some cool people. Okay, well, I mean... Brene Brown is instantly who comes to mind. Um, and Brene Brown, if you haven't heard of her, I mean, she's like amazing. She did, I think, one of the most viral TED Talks ever. And um, she's written many, many books. And um, she's kind of like the go-to guru when it comes to talking about shame and vulnerability. And so I read her first book, which is, oh, actually, I don't even want to say that that's her first book, but it was all about, you know, the art of vulnerability and like, and exactly what you and I just talked about, which is, you know, shame sticks with you and by sharing and, and shame is a social concept, right? So the second you share your truth, there is no shame. Shame can mm, exist so once you share what you're going through with someone else. Yeah. Um, and so she made a huge impact on like me in terms of learning and, um, you know, I, and just feeling like, oh, like this is, this is the truth. Like she's such a why, like her stuff is so great. Um, and then on a different level, like my speaking partner, Estella Lugo made a huge impact on me because she has the same disease as I do. And like I told you earlier, I never met people until I got older that even had CMT except for that room of old people at the support group. So when I met Estella, who, by the way, came about after I launched the website, I got inundated with people who have my disease. So I finally now am talking and meeting people who are like me, right? And Estella is like into fashion. She went to design school. She has my disabilities, same disability. She's beautiful and like, and she was real and like i'm like oh she has it and she doesn't and she grew up being very um open about it and she you know so i learned from estella as well um yeah i love that i love that and the sources that laney just cited i will be sure to include in the spotify description so you can look those up 
Um, Lainey, where can listeners find you online? Yeah. So um, as I said before, my website is the best starting place. It's trend-able.com. Um, there you would find links to my Facebook and Instagram. I'm trend.able. Um, I also obviously am on LinkedIn. Um, Estella, who I told you is my, and we, we partnered and we have our po- own podcast called Embrace It with Lainey and Estella. You get the brace part, right? Because we both wear braces. So yeah, I love Embrace that. It. And Embrace It also does on the road stuff. So we, you know, for the podcast, we interview all these amazing people, all these influencers and people who are doing amazing things with all different types of disabilities, like from a makeup artist who uses her feet to um, people who are experts on travel, all this stuff. So we have like tons and tons of, we've had tons and tons of amazing guests. But Estella and I also created a workshop series where we go into businesses and we teach like disability 101. And it's all about empathy Ooh. and um, getting and training, and I love training that. on what to say and how to talk. Our, our biggest um, workshop, I should say, our, our flagship workshop is, you know, how to talk about disabilities to anyone. And um, yeah, so that's. Wow. I lo- uh, now you got my head going with that <laughs> workshop. Have you ever done it with um, with a church? You know what? I, I mean, like, so we charge money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the challenge, I mean, we have not um, gone into like nonprofits and religious organizations so much only because of like, you know, people with disabilities are often asked to do things for free. And that's a problem. Mm. Again, that's a stigma. It's like, oh, you have that's a stigma. You're so, right. right. That's so awful. I, I'm like, okay, this, my work is a passion project, right? I've been doing trendable. I spend hours doing it. I make no money really doing what I do with the shoes and the clothes, but the speaking and going into companies, you know, that's where we make, you know, some income, which we should make, you know, we're doing yes, good right and making so. money. So you know, on the rare exception, I have done like some um, modified workshops with, um, with nonprofits who, um, you know, who, who I'm helping because it's helping also get the word out to others or whatever. But as a whole, you know, we, we, um, we do, you know, I've spoken at um, big companies like Lockheed Martin and Pinterest even. So, you know, they can afford us. And um, it's just, you know, we hope to do more. So if anyone's listening, oh. I would love to come and do. See, I told y'all, Lainey is super cool. I just, <laughs> you just get around and I just, wow. Honestly, I feel like my brain's just going, especially with my, I guess my motto of leaning into trauma and my heart is like teaching people what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked about the church because I find a lot of young adults are like, oh, they neglected, like say they tried out a church and then some things of trauma were neglected. And then they don't have a place to be. And I'm like, man, I, I think churches need to take your series because what? Oh, my word. I just think it'd be remarkable. Um, yeah. Okay. Final final question. Give the listeners a closing thought or encouragement. What do you want to leave these people to know? Um, okay. Well, that's easy. Um, embracing it is literally the best thing that you can do for yourself and for you know, for the, for those around you. So finding acceptance and sharing your truth and being vulnerable is what embracing it is to me. It means to me. And 
it's life-changing when you, and you don't have to have a platform. You don't have to like do what I did and show the whole world you're wearing leg braces. It can be just one person, you know, but sharing your truth and, and not hiding and embracing who you are is um, the best thing you can do. Mm, that is so good. Thank you so much for oh, being yeah. on this podcast, Deborah, Lainey. Thank you. I've loved talking to you and I'm glad oh. we, we got around to doing it and I'm honored to be on here. So thank you so oh, much. Oh my word. You are just, I, I can't wait to see all the people you're going to encourage. You've already encouraged so much, but I just, I love your story. I love, love, love it. And I think everyone else will. Um, like I said earlier, I will be sure to cite in the description the resources that Lainey has said today. Thanks so much again for listening to Lean Into Trauma. Again, my name is Shamber, and it's been such a pleasure just spending today, today with you. Uh, be sure to give the podcast a follow so you can stay up to date with future episodes. And remember, friends, all of you is welcome here. Welcome here.